Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're speaking to James and Hope and we're having a conversation about their calling to the Arab world. Uh, I was 18 when my sister gave me a Bible. I was really depressed at the time. I just started college and I started reading the New Testament by myself in my dorm room. And I called her one day and said, hey, I, I think I believe this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I need to do something about it. You know, I think I probably need to go on a mission trip um, is what I told her. And so she connected me with, uh, with Zach. Um, uh, she connected me to him. And then I started uh, coming over to his house, drinking coffee. And he trained me. At the very first day, how to share my testimony and how to share. At the time, we were doing the bridge diagram. I made a name list. And so basically, I mean, for me, my whole faith experience of walking with Jesus has been within the context of doing church and homes, um, making disciples, training new believers immediately, uh, you know, immediately baptizing new believers. And so, I mean, Zach trained me up and then set me loose on my college campus. Um, and so, you know, real quick, well, in the harvest, I met, uh, another guy, uh, Trey and he and I became best friends and just started being a team together on campus. And we're planting, planting house churches together on and around the, the university campus where I was studying. Um, and so I'd say, and you know, because of that experience with Zach, like I, I ended up, getting exposed to a lot of other movement practitioners really quickly as well. You know, he had, he had other movement practitioners coming into the city to uh, just to speak into our lives and to help encourage us and to train us up. Um, And uh, ended up really just the beneficiary of lots of years of, (laughs) of movement practitioners Mm. and, and kind of from day one, you know, nobody ever, nobody ever told me, you know, no, you can't do that. You're not allowed to go share the gospel. You're not allowed to baptize new believers. You're not allowed to start a house church. What are you crazy? Nobody ever told me that, um, from the people that were pouring into me, you know, um, you know, later people started to tell me that from outside, but, but I think, you know, Zach really pushed, you know, we, we listen to the Bible. We don't, we don't just listen to the opinions of man. We listen to the word of God and everything that we do comes from the word of God. It's got to come from the word of God or we're just going to quit doing it. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, um, started me off on this trajectory of learning to, to make disciples and to multiply just kind of from, you know, from the day I was baptized onward. My dad uh, is a missions pastor. And so when I was a teenager, I told him I wanted to be a missionary and he told me, which I think is great advice anyways to anyone who wants to be a missionary is well if you can't if you don't share the gospel and make disciples where you are you won't do that somewhere else so Mm. if you really want to be a missionary i think you should learn to make disciples to share the gospel and make disciples and plant churches um where you are and then if you do that here then maybe you can go try and do that somewhere else so i was like okay dad i was like 14 (laughs) um and so when i graduated high school i kind of took him up on his offer and i asked him you know, I've seen you and gone with you sharing the gospel in other countries, but it's just not a thing that I've experienced in the States to really like share the gospel, disciple a new believer. 
uh, plan a church. And so I asked him if he knew anyone that was doing that more here, especially on a college campus. Um, and he sent me to Zap um, and uh, the network there. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went just for a month before I started college. And I just saw young people. I met James. <laughs> I, and I saw young people my age who were uh, committed to Jesus and advancing the kingdom of God in a way that I had really never experienced. And I was sold out. <laughs> so, so yeah, I only went for a month, but I came back. I went to school at UCLA and I like shared the gospel a hundred times in my first semester. And we both learned through trial and error in, uh, in America and saw some fruit and lost some fruit, but really just learned the nitty gritty of sharing the gospel making a disciple. What do you do when someone says yes? How do you form <laughs> new believers into gatherings? Yeah. Um, and then uh, when I graduated, we got married and mm-hmm. are now overseas doing that. Well, I was on campus at the university, sharing the gospel, making disciples. At this point, you know, I had planted a house church on campus in the dorms and that church had started another church. Um, and we, I mean, we started seeing generations of multiplying house churches and, you know, all English speaking people, majority African-Americans. Um, and, uh, but you know, for people that are from my city, um, and, uh, and at the same time, like I was reading in the Bible, God's heart for all nations, this, that, and the other, and hearing also stories of movements that are taking place, um, among unreached peoples, unreached places and felt particularly drawn I don't know why, but felt particularly drawn to the Muslim world. And then, uh, so I read, I read Garrison's book, Went in the House of Islam, uh, and frankly felt deeply disappointed by the Arab world chapter. If you compare that chapter to all the other chapters of what God's doing in Indonesia and North Africa, it's all these mm. cool movement stories and you get to the Arab world chapter and just, it, I just felt like there's so much more to be done. Um, and, uh, and I met at the same time, like there's, there's a, a mosque on campus at my university um, and I was having coffee one day down the street from the mosque and it was a Friday and there was, uh, there was this guy in there. He was clearly Muslim, you know, he was dressed, he had the long beard, he, he had the, the skull cap, he was dressed in a robe and he had like leather sandals on and he, and I, just from his appearance, I was, I was afraid of him just from his appearance. I was like, this guy's just so different than any person I've ever seen or interacted with and I just don't know how to talk to them. Um, and I was having my quiet time and I read the beginning of Jeremiah where God says to Jeremiah, you know, I made you a prophet. And then Jeremiah's like, I'm just a kid. How could you say that to me? And God says, no, you're going to go to the place I command you to go. You're going to speak the words I command you to speak and you will not be afraid because I will be with you. And I felt like a lightning bolt. You know, I just felt like God was speaking directly to me about Muslims and about people like him. So I learned, I enrolled myself in an Arabic class at the university. Um, I started meeting every Arabic speaker I could possibly find. You know, my university, there's all these Saudi Arabians and people from Yemen and people from Syria and people from all over the Middle East that were coming. Um, And I just, everybody that would walk by that I thought maybe looked like an Arab, I'd just be like, Salam Aleikum. And And then get coffee with people, end up in people's homes. I started Bible studies with, I mean, I started probably 10 or 20 Bible studies with different Muslim guys. Um, and 
went to the mosque. I went to every mosque in my city. I went to go try to meet people, to go try to share about Jesus, to go try to learn and to try to understand their faith. Um, and just felt like, yeah, it, you know, I shared the gospel with people from all over the world, but anytime I met a Muslim and especially an Arab, I just felt like my heart was on fire. Felt like, you know, this is, this is my people. God's called me to these people, to this people. So one day I'm on campus in the food court and I see this guy and I'm looking at him and I think, I think he's, he's Arab and he's lost, you know? And so I walk up to him and I just greet him in Arabic. Salamu alaikum. And he's like, oh, you speak Arabic. And I'm like, yeah, only a couple words. You know, that was about as much as we could figure out. And, and he's, he's lost. He's trying to find something to eat at the food court and he can't tell what's halal and what's haram. And so, <laughs> and so, so I grab him and we go to the, I think it was Chick-fil-A, you know, uh, the Lord's chicken. And, um, and so we had, we shared lunch together and, and then he pulls out his schedule and he can't figure out where he's going. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll help you. I'll walk you to class. And so I walk him to class and he like, man, he just like grabs me and hugs me. And he's like, Habibi, Habibi, man, I love you so much. Thank you. You know, and we exchange numbers. And I think just like, you know, he, I just helped him and he loved me after that. So then we went, you know, we, we, I'd go over to his apartment, we would hang out, uh, we would eat meals together. And then I just started sharing my faith with him. And he said, you know what, you're, I, I shared the bridge diagram with him. I said, look, something super important. I have to tell you, you know, let me tell you my story about how God changed my life. And then let me explain this picture of what it looks like to, clo- to be close to God. And so I told him, you know, I was a sinner. I did this, this, and this. And then mm-hmm. I started following Jesus. It's totally different. And he's just like, you know, he's, he's kind of, he, he feels like kind of weird that I'm talking to him about sin and shame from my past. He's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> and then I explained this story to him. I explained the gospel to him. And he's like, look, you got to understand I've been taught the exact opposite of this from the day I was born until now, mm. you know? So I've never heard this. I, you know, I've only ever heard the opposite and you got to give me some time. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's okay, man. That's why I'm here. It's because I want to try to share this with you. so we can talk about it. Um, and, and he told me, he was like, you know, I've met lots of other Americans and you're the only one that I really respect and trust because I know that you're a man man of faith. All these others, I can't trust them. You know, I mean, people have, you know, he's, he's meets all kinds of different college kids that are out partying doing, I don't know what, but he's like, you, you're a man of faith. So I trust you. Um, And that's kind of how it went with every guy I met. You know, there was, it was always similar. It was, You know, there's just this big cultural divide between us. And if I took a step to try to meet them and they were super stoked to be received by a a local person, you know, he's from the capital of the Muslim world, basically. He's from Mecca. Um, And, you know, he uh, he never came to the Lord with me. You know, he never confessed faith in Jesus. We studied the Bible together. Um, We kind of quit meeting up because he showed me that he was no longer interested and then even other people from my house church accidentally knocked on his door one day while they were out knocking on doors and they shared the gospel with him again and gave him a Bible. Um, and that's kind of how it went. I mean, I shared with probably anywhere between 50 to 75 uh, Muslim background people and Arabs in particular in my city during this period of time. Nobody ever came to Christ with me. Not mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Not one. 
during this period of time I shared with all these people um, was, you know, I really aggressively pursued trying to get to know Arabs and to get to share the gospel. Um, and in that whole period of time, no Arab Muslims ever believed the good news with me personally. You know, I met maybe two Arab Muslim background believers during that time, uh, but nobody ever came to faith with me. But, um, but I felt like, I mean, regardless, I just felt like giving them the opportunity to hear the message was enough. I still feel like some of those guys that I shared with, I'm going to see them in heaven one day. You know, I just wasn't the one who got to, to reap the harvest with them. But, um, but it, it definitely, I mean, I felt like it was a confirmation of a calling. I mean, when I used to go drive to these Bible studies with guys, I would cry in the car the entire way there. And, and when I would see little, little cracks of open doors under their lives, you know, like one, one dude told me, you know, I'm like, where are you now? You know, I shared with you last time I shared with you again, where are you now? And he's like, look, I feel like I'm standing in a dark room and I can see just a little bit of light issuing from underneath the, the threshold of the door. That's where I'm at. I'm in the darkness, but the words you're telling me are light. And that to me, was like, that was enough. <laughs> Just yeah. to be doing God's will and to be worshiping Jesus with these guys who don't know anything about him. That was enough mm-hmm. um, to keep me going. Uh, we knew each other at this time, like uh, he's talking about in school. I'm only a year younger than James in school. Uh, and But we went to different universities. So we kind of were living this like parallel calling. We weren't together yet. We got married at the end of school. But so I was at my own university. Also, you know, like I said previously, um, I was always interested in being a missionary or sharing in other places. Um, And so in college, like I feel like God kind of refined on that calling. Uh, One summer I went to Indonesia and we worked both with Hindus and Muslims. Uh, And honestly, I saw a couple Hindu girls come to faith and got to baptize them, which was amazing. But then we went to Lombok, which is a Muslim island, um, and I spent all day actually with, uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, with a girl that was teaching my dad Indonesian at the time. So he, she really loved us because she like spent all this time with my dad over Zoom teaching him Indonesian. And so she like, I just remember her holding me by the arm, you know, and, and like, like leaky arms. And and taking me around and showing me everything. And I just got to share my story, share God's story. Uh, similar to James, she didn't come to faith. But I just, my heart really was, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it just was clear to me that this is what I needed to be doing. Despite having been part of baptizing two Hindu girls, it was clear to me that this was what God wanted me to do with my life. Um, I think just kind of the the life that Muslim women lead. <laughs> it's, it's just terrible. You know, it's just really hopeless. And I think it was just clear to me that that God wanted me to share and walk with Muslim women from darkness into light. And so that's kind of when the door opened even to consider working with Muslims. Um, and then from that, I mean, you know, the Muslim world is huge. But from that, um, I started meeting Muslim women on campus and sharing with them. I decided to take Arabic because, you know, Arabic Muslims, I don't, I honestly, it was a whim kind of to take Arabic, but it ended up 
spending a lot of time with Arabs because Arabs in college take Arabic because it's easy. So like, so like half the class is Arabs, which I thought was ironic. Um, but so I got to share a bunch with Arab women. I ended up doing a semester abroad in Jordan. Um, also got to share a bunch when I was there. Again, similar to James, I didn't, like I made a couple friends who I, I mean, I probably did 15, 20, 30 DBSs with like these same girls um, and really got to see these glimpses of light and openness, but didn't see anyone totally surrender to Jesus. Um, But I just through all of that, I think my calling was confirmed. I wouldn't say, you know, there's a few, there's like a few moments in time where I just felt confirmation and my, yeah, I think that it's just a story of one step after another, simple yeses to these little promptings from God, you know, like maybe you should enroll in this class, maybe you should study abroad in Jordan, maybe, and it and it's kind of brought me to where I am today, where now I totally feel like I couldn't be working with any other people that, that I'm working with. Like, both of these things were happening in our lives at the same time. So even I said, I studied abroad in Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, James came to visit his sister, quote unquote, in Jordan. And that's actually when we started dating. Um, and so we started dating in the Arab world. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so it was, I would say that we both felt separately called to Arabs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started dating and got married and that it was just, then God started to direct us together as a unit. So right. during this period of time where we knew each other and I mean, I, I finally grew up and became a man and decided that I really wanted to marry this woman. And, uh, and I also, you know, so we got married, I proposed, but we got married. I knew too, that she was called to the same thing I was called to. And she knew that about me as well, that we had our own independent callings to the same people, to the same region. Um, and so when we got married, we knew that that, that's what we were planning was to, get hitched and then to move overseas uh, to get into the Arab world um, to start working on this language and start learning these people and start sharing the good news. I mean, that was the advice that we got from Steve Smith actually was, uh, you know, identify a family of peoples that share, you know, a family of unreached peoples that share a common trade language and then move to a leading city within that family of peoples, learn that common trade language and get busy sharing the gospel, making disciples, learning what you can and keep your heart open as you share the good news towards the gaps and let God lead you towards the unreached and the unengaged peoples within that, to the unengaged peoples within that family of unreached peoples. And so that's, that was the advice we had. So that was our plan was get married, move. And then, um, got married. We were actually living in my in-laws back house. Um, you know, the house, the pool, the, my in-laws pool house is where we were living. Um, and, and we're sitting out there one day, we're doing an hour of prayer, me and hope. And at the end, we spent some time just listening. Okay. Like mm. God, would you just speak to us? And at that moment, I felt like I could see a picture in my head of a map of the Middle East, of the Arab world, and like this great big heavenly key mm-hmm. that went into the country that we're living in right now. Um, and when it turned, this country lit up, and then all the countries immediately surrounding that country simultaneously lit up as well. 
um, that I felt like God was speaking to me that this was the place where he wanted to establish a movement that would that would have an effect and an impact on the entire region, not just this nation that we're in. Um, so that was that was confirmation for us about where to go. Um, and we just had connections also. Yeah, know? I think, like I said about calling, I think a lot of our story is just. You know, it's easier to for God to direct a moving train is just taking steps forward, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and saying yes to God when doors open and walking through them and letting God direct. Mm-hmm. And so we do have like the vision that James had these moments where we feel like God really spoke to us. And then there's a lot of moments where we're just kind of walking yeah. and, and God is directing us. Correct. Which yeah. I, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, your call is, is your general call to the Arab peoples is confirmed by your ministry engagement. And then, yeah. Um, and that helps sort of filter out all sorts of other options. But then yes. there, there was a, um, God intervened and said, this is the spot, guys. Um, and it yeah. also made sense because yes. uh, yeah. of the connections that you had in that part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and, and the whole time as you're wrestling with God's will, you, you're moving forward to see how he confirms and opens up doors. Yeah. I mean, Correct. we were raising support before we even had a country. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we hadn't decided. Right. We hadn't we decided started. which country. We were taking trips to the region. But I just mean we were moving in this direction before we had a a clear, you know, we're going to move to this city. Right. And then along the way, every now and again, you're going to say, well, let's just stop and and in prayer, wait on God. So I just like the the variety of ways that God confirmed um, the direction of your life and ministry and the specifics of the location through all sorts of, um, you know, through the word, the spirit, and then as as you're inching forward, um, those confirmations come. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I think the reason that I pointed that out is just because I think sometimes talking to people back home who are interested, in not even necessarily moving overseas, but whatever, doing something, you know, feel like God is directing them. I think sometimes when you when we use the word calling, it's intimidating. I think mm-hmm. I felt that way. I felt that way personally. Like I have to have this mm-hmm. huge vision from God of exactly what I need to do before I do anything. And I think it is absolutely true that John, James and I, it's absolutely true that James and I are called. But I think that just like you said, it's been through this variety of things. And I think sometimes when we use those words for people who are mm. waiting to launch, it can be intimidating where I like to tell people, just go, just take a step, just go out your front door and share the gospel. Just get on an airplane, like just go do something and God will direct you. The worst thing you can do is nothing. In the next episode of the Movements Podcast, we'll talk to James and Hope again and we'll hear the story of how the work unfolded somewhere in the Arab world. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.